Hey guys, just a quick heads up that this is the interview taken from the full The Gym Session podcast. So if you'd like to listen to the complete episode, you can find it on the Footy Live app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Buzzsprout. If you're enjoying the content, don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and share. If you're not, try to do it anyway so I can keep my job. Uh, that's all from me. Enjoy the interview and do all that stuff I said before so I can get my job. Okay, today's guest is one of Collingwood's biggest fan favourites. His creativeness around goals, commitment to the club and passion he played with was admired by members and appreciated by footy lovers around the country. This man went from a dynamic small forward to a tenacious tagger and ultimately a magnificent mid. He played 155 games during his AFL career for Fremantle and Collingwood while becoming an off-field sensation through modelling, acting and media work. He wore his heart on his sleeve on the field of play, but off it, he didn't really have sleeves because his shirt was always off. But he's become an admirable entrepreneur, adapting, learning, and inspiring to support his wonderful family. It's my great pleasure to welcome Mr. Brody Dutchy Holland to the gym session. How are you, Broads? Oh, I'm very good after that uh, introduction. I feel amazing. That's <laughs> very good for the ego, that little intro. Thanks very much. Uh, you I should, appreciate it. No, nah, no worries, mate. You should feel good. You're an uh, entrepreneur, like I mentioned, MC, PT, footy coach, property expert, influencer, father of three. Do you get any time to rest, Broads? Um, oh, well, I'm not too bad at the moment, but yeah, with the, with the kids um, these days, it's, uh, it's always pretty busy, um, but um, there's always something going on, there's always something to do, so um, but life's good. Yeah, that's good, mate. Uh, it seems like you, you adapted well to life after footy, but I feel like you're very good at adapting to nearly all situations you've faced uh, throughout your time and, and conditioning yourself to different circumstances, which I heard you, uh, you speak about a few times. It started when you had to leave Tassie at 17 years of age to go to Perth to play for the Dockers. Now, I think you said you're a bit of a self-confessed mummy's boy at the time. Uh, how, how, did, how did you find living on the other side of the country away from family? Oh look, yeah. Look, it was a, obviously I knew that when I if I if I got drafted, I was going to have to move anyway. So that was something that I was conditioned to. It wasn't like I was a Victorian boy that had to move west. So at least I had that initial thought in my head that you know if it happens, I'm I'm moving. I have to go over the Bass Strait and at least go to Melbourne, uh, potentially somewhere else. And obviously went to the Dockers and WA and. Um, look, it was a great move. Obviously, I was very homesick there at um, at different stages pretty early on in the piece, but I enjoyed my independence as well. Um, you know, I, was, I got fairly well conditioned to the, the, the amazing Western Australian lifestyle pretty quickly, and some, we had some fun times over there. Didn't win too many games of footy, <laughs> let me tell you, but we had a great time. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, three years was probably enough over there, and, you know, the club wasn't really going anywhere at that stage. Uh, in a few, in, in a, a number of different areas, and uh, I thought if I was, you know, really going to have a crack at having a, a serious football career, then maybe I have to move back to the uh, the home of football and find, and find a big club to work with, and, and it worked out well. That's right. Well, you, you said they weren't going anywhere uh, really at the time. Was that was that due to the culture, or I know you said it was a pretty difficult time in in, in terms of yourself because of um, you know fitness wasn't really your forte growing up, which I found hard to, hard to believe. Um, but adapting to like the hard training style of Collingwood was much different to the Dockers. Was the culture a bit laid back and and didn't train that hard? Is that accurate to say? Um. Oh yes and no. Probably the the, the, the training hard component. Uh, I actually thought they trained a lot harder than Collingwood, believe oh, okay. it or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we used to get absolutely pole in you know seven k sand dune runs and 
getting up at 7 a.m. for uh, big long training sessions and you know swimming 2k, 2.5k in the pool after you've already had a massive training session. Um, you know, when I barely could, uh, I, I don't think I'd even learn to swim by that stage. Um, so <laughs> there was, they were crazy on the training, um, but they just didn't have the quality, number one, the quality of players. They had a good, a good group of young players, but they're, they're top-end sort of older, experienced players. We're okay. Um, they're okay leaders, but they just weren't quite good enough, and we weren't learning enough from enough um, leaders. Look, they had a couple of good leaders in Chris Bond and, and Adrian Fletcher and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, other than that, there wasn't a lot there. Uh, leadership is the key. They didn't have enough of it. And, um, and yeah, the culture was, wasn't great. You know, we had, I had, uh, Jared Neeson as a coach my first year. He was uh, really quite a, a good coach, but was very laid back. Uh, discipline was an issue. And then Damien Drum came into the fray. Discipline was strong with him. Um, but yeah, his hard nosed approach didn't suit the laid back um, sort of mentality of the players. It, it just um, it was a big drinking culture, a laid back culture, uh, have fun and social type culture, and it, it kind of felt like that winning games of footy came second to uh, having a good time in a lot of ways. Um, but um, yeah, but obviously it was a young club, and I was just learning and getting stuff together. I think they took too many of the Claremont crew into the first lot of, you know, uh, the first phase of, of building a football yep. club. They should have got, I think, some established, you know, AFL representative, a little bit like GWS did with Kevin Sheedy. Maybe they should have got someone like that that understands, been around long enough and, and knows what it takes. Uh, and I don't think they had enough of those type of people to, to get it up off the ground initially. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And it makes sense when um, previously you've said, that, you know, whatever the current playing group is doing, when a young player comes in, they just condition themselves to that, that those circumstances. So it becomes That's like right. ritual for them. So what were the circumstances like at Collingwood then? What sort of culture did you walk into then? Yeah, look, it was a complete um, culture shift, really. Like, you know, walking into the club, um, you know, and um, discipline strong straight away. You know, the way they do things was specific. Um, the training was... You know, obviously it wasn't as hard, but it was it was kind of smarter, not harder. Um, you know, it was specific to what I needed as a, an individual. Um, you know, the culture was really strong. We had from the get go, even in two thousand and one, we had fifteen new players at the club. The culture was really strong, and there was a real sense of motivation and do whatever it takes. Um, and, uh, and that filtered into the obviously next couple of years, 2002 and three, when we made grand finals. So I don't think we had, um, well, I think we had a very good team in both of those seasons. But, you know, in both seasons, you could probably say, you know, we had the fourth to arguably fourth, fifth to, to eighth best team and we made grand finals in those years. So, um, so it was all about, you know, playing as a team, being selfless. And that was our culture, really, just yeah. a ruthless approach. Um, to footy and, and to the way we played our game and, and that's obviously what uh, pushed us into those grand finals in those particular years. So yeah, it was a bit of a culture shift but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the change, I enjoyed the challenge and I also enjoyed playing in front of 
70, 80, 90,000 people at the MCG versus uh, 17 and a half at Super Yakko Oval. That was, uh, <laughs> was quite good too. Yeah, I, I can imagine, mate. And, and and they loved you pretty quickly as well. I mean, you kicked 28 goals in, in 21 matches in 2001. And 2002, mm. you had a brilliant start to the season. I think it was 11 goals in two games. But that second game, you kicked eight against West Coast. Mm. Uh, I think that was Chris Judd's debut as well. Uh, where does that game sit for you? What are the memories of that? Oh, obviously it's the best game I've ever played in, in my life. Um, uh, look, I, I think everyone has those games once a year where just whatever you do, just it just works. No matter what you do or what you try, the ball just seems to fall in your lap. And that was one of those days for me. Look, I was very fit at the time. I was actually dropped a heap of weight from the year before and really lean and and um, I actually got a bit too lean. I think I was at that stage when I ate that day, I was 76 kilos. Uh, when I, I used to play at 84, 85 the year before. So I was really, really fit But um, and uh, had a day out. But that's probably the worst thing I could have ever done because I got tagged for the next <laughs> three weeks and hardly touch a footy. But And I didn't handle it well because I just didn't have the body strength uh, because I lost so much weight. Um, so... Um, but yeah, it was a great game. Obviously, you know, obviously uh, Chris Judd's first game as well. You know, he played a, a massive game in his first game. We thought this, this, this guy was going to be a player, and um, yeah, it was, and after that, really, I didn't do too much for the rest of the year because I did a hammy. I was out for six weeks, and the form was pretty ordinary for fresh. You know, for the first few games after that, and uh, it ended up going a bit pear shaped. To be honest, after that, I wish I hadn't have done it now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just kidding! I was, uh, it was a good day out, and um, you know it would have been nice to have replicated another couple of times. But unfortunately, uh, uh, I think my next best was four goals uh, after that. So, uh, but definitely a day out, one to be remembered, and one I show the kids. Don't worry about that. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Well, it didn't matter too much about the goals, I don't think, because you moved then in the midfield. But um, you missed mm. out on that first grand final. It would have been really hard. Yeah. Is it true that uh, the boys went to Mexico for a players trip, but you cancelled? You went to Thailand with your partner and trained every day because you were so angry of missing out on the <laughs> yeah. grand final. Is that true? <laughs> That's pretty much right. I think uh, the boys were locked in. I think they had twenty eight confirmed going to Mexico together, Cancun, and no all looking forward to it. Now, obviously, if I played in the grand final, I would have gone. But yeah. um, I just, yeah, I was pretty pretty pleased that you know I didn't really get that opportunity to play any finals or the grand final when I thought I was good enough to be in there and um, didn't get a look in at any stage and. Well, I just thought, you know, if I want to continue developing and getting better and, you know, it's not in my best interest to be going on a footy trip and getting, you know, getting uh, smashed with the boys for, for a week or more. Um, so, yeah, I booked the trip with the, the, uh, the new missus um, and uh, we went to Thailand yeah, for, I think, a couple of weeks. And, and, yeah, I just trained every day. I got up every morning and went for a, a 3K uh, run as hard as I could, like a high-intensity yeah. 3K, and then straight to the gym. I ate really well, you know, all the uh, Thailand sort of, uh, you know, salads, uh, Thai beef salads and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And I, I, I vividly remember coming back and getting stuck into training again and one of the players walked past as I was on the scales and getting my skin folds done. And he goes, where did you go for the off-season? Did you go to, to, to Ethiopia or something, <laughs> did you? And, <laughs> and um, yeah, so that was pretty fascinating. I real, real long and real fit and I think after that was the first time I beat Bucks in a time trial oh, yeah. around Princess Park and uh, that, that that sort of made made my day and I knew I was sort of uh, starting to, to obviously uh, make ground with my fitness at that stage and that really gave me the confidence to, 
to sort of uh, go on from there. Yeah, so you, that confidence, you, you went into Mick Malthouse's office, didn't you, and just and asked him, I want to play in the midfield. <laughs> How mm. did you get the confidence to do that? Yeah, in look, I spoke to Mick yeah. in that pre-season about playing mid. He goes, yeah, yeah, we'll give you an opportunity where we can. Played a couple of games in the... Um, in the office, in the pre-season cup in midfield and did okay. Yeah. Um, as soon as round one came about, I was straight back to the fourth circuit again um, and played there for, uh, I think, round one against Richmond. Um, and I thought I was suspended for a one-weeker. And, and then, because oh, I played an average game round one, they put me in the twos. And I'm thinking, where am I going? There's a footy here. This after getting myself so fit and uh, in great shape, getting stronger, what, what am I going to do? So then I went back to Mick and I just, you know, we had a really good chat about it. I said, look, I know we've tried to in the midfield. There's some good midfielders already there. Uh, how about I do a run with them? We're tagging. You know, I reckon I could take, you know, the best opposition midfielder out of the game. Um, and he said, look, get yourself in good form in, at, um, at Williamstown in the twos. And if it happens, you know, we'll, you know, and your form's good, we'll put you in that sort of role when you come back in. So I went back to Williamstown and with Brad Gotch, who guided me through that um, process and helped me with it as well, um, I started tagging actually guys in the VFL, mm. you know, which felt a bit weird because I felt like I was better players than a lot of the guys that were tagging. But it was great. It was a great experience um, playing hard-nosed approach type of game and working on them and working off them and, and getting a bit of footy as well. And, Got my confidence rolling and, um, yeah, got selected, I think, I don't know what it would have been, around six or seven by that stage and then played every game for the rest of the year but yeah. um, and didn't miss a beat after that. So I played, I think, in my first game, playing a dog by the name of Matty Bode and took yep. him out of the game and then to Shane Crawford and that yep. was very challenging but he still got a bit of footy but I did pretty well on him considering. And then from there, I just felt like that Shane Crawford game, when I tagged him, it was nearly like it gave me the confidence to be able to go to anyone else because he's the best runner in the game and yeah. was a form player of the comp. And it just gave me the confidence to be able to run with any player uh, after that, 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 that time. And um, and then obviously, we were playing some really great 40 2003. You know, I think we won 11 out of 12 at one stage. So tagging in a team that's winning like that, it's... Um, it's a hard job tagging, but it's easy when you're controlling your footy, you know. So I was lucky enough to be in, in a winning team that was playing full of confidence and controlling the footy, and I could just, you know, go about my role with real confidence. Yeah, no, who was the, who was the hardest player to tag then? Uh, <clears throat> Crawford would have to be up there. Yeah. Um, and that, that year, that, obviously I was still fairly young, at, you know, at that stage and still building my fitness, and mm. uh, he was just a gut runner, and he would run from forward the back pocket, back to the front pocket at a real high speed. Yeah. He never walked. He fast jog was about the slowest um, he, he would run, but he was in that sort of three-quarter pace all day. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was tough. Um, you know, obviously played on Song Black. He was an amazing footballer. Uh, Akamanis was a great player. Brent Harvey was one of my hardest opponents. Um, you, know, you know, high speed, you know, runs all day. You know, hard, hard, very hard to stop. And so players are really good players. Chris Judd, you know, he towed me up at uh, Jacko Oval um, in a half, uh, one game. And so uh, he, was, he was probably the toughest because he could run like Shane Crawford, but he was even quicker, you know. And so um, you were always on. I felt like I could stay with him in terms of fitness, but then when the ball arrived, his speed would be electrifying. You just couldn't go with it. You know, I was quick. 
but he was express, you know, <laughs> at a different level. Um, so, yeah, so he's probably, I would say he'd be just about the best um, that, I, that I've played on. Hey, grand final day, um, you, you end up playing in the 2003 grand final, so you're mm-hmm. in your spot. You played well, um, but the, the side did lose. Does that still stick with you? Does that still hurt thinking about it now? Yeah, it does a bit. <clears throat> I did a few things actually pretty ordinary that week. Like, um, so in terms of my preparation, I'm talking about. Look, I had mm-hmm. the parents over for two weeks, which you know, you just talk about footy the whole time. You win a prelim, they're in your face, and uh, not that they did anything wrong, but it was just like you had people around home all the time, media around talking footy, footy, footy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the perfect preparation for a grand final would be to take team and go go to Dalesford or go to the Gold Coast or go go away somewhere for four or five days and you don't have to watch mm. the media, read newspapers, you know, talk to everyone and anyone about footy. You just want to sort of clear the mind. Um, so I reckon I just, uh, you know, burnt me out mentally a little bit uh, those couple of weeks. Uh, plus, I did a few things on the training track, probably a bit worked a bit too hard. When I should have been freshening up on the training track a little bit. Um, and I'd, I'd probably learn a few things. That's why I wish I had a play 2002 yeah. to experience it, to understand how you need to prepare yourself for a grand final a bit better. Um, and that would have helped me in the year after. But obviously, I only got one, one crack at it and it didn't come off. And yeah, look, you, you think about Look, I don't think about it too much now, but you know, those few years afterwards, more so you think about it. Um, I only think about it now when I go to the footy and I have to buy my own ticket on occasion when I'm a life member. Yeah. <laughs> the only time I think about it uh, because that would have been nice to be able yeah. to play um, in a in a winning premiership number one, do it with your mates and yeah. uh, you know your name and your team goes down in history. But also um, even better than that, you, you know you get to be a life member of the club that you love for the rest of your days. Um, so, um, but. Um, yeah, look, it's it's a, it's a tough one. It's hard, but um, you know you get over it after a few few years. It takes a while, and then you just move on with life, and you start to understand that you know as important as footy is, and how special the game is. Um, there's more important things to life, like family and kids, and you know life goes on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, be- before I ask you about Collingwood, because I wanted your opinion on it, um, can I ask yeah. you about uh, on the field? You're a bit of a sledger, weren't you? I mean, I remember an incident <laughs> in 2002. Kane Corns, I think you were sledging each other uh, all day, and then he gave you the finger when the siren yeah. went. Yeah, can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's a bit of a funny one. We were both fairly young at that stage. He was a bit younger than me, a couple of years younger than me. He might have been 20. I was sort of 22, I think, 21, 22. Um, and, um, yeah, I was pretty much playing for a lot of the game. I was a half forward. He was half back. Um you know, he was pretty close checking. He was very fit. I was struggling to get off him a little bit. So, you know, it was a bit of argy-bargy here and there. And next thing you know, we're having a few words. And, yeah. um, you know, he's having a crack at me. And I think I said something about, you know, the old chestnut where you, where you tell a bloke you're only getting a game because of your old man. Probably <laughs> <laughs> uh, the oldest sledge in the book. Um, it's not very original, let's be honest. But it's still one of those, if you're the person on the end of it, it, it really probably does annoy you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then we'll just enjoy each other for the rest of the game after that. And then they got over the line, I think, less than goal yeah. in the end, I think, in that game. Um, and I was really, look, I'm one of those that 
I'll do anything it takes to win yeah. uh, to help my team get over the line. But at the end of the day, no matter what you've done to me, I don't really care. I'll just like, shake your hand, look you in the eye, appreciate the game, yeah, all the best. And I was just about to walk over and shake his hand. <laughs> and he runs past me and uh, sticks the, uh, the old middle finger up, um, which was which is a bit of a surprise. Um, yeah. But, um, look, uh, you know, ironically, not ironically, but, um, you know, Kane actually apologised uh, on radio. I'm listening in, I think, uh, not too long ago about that. He felt yeah. bad about that. Um, and it's probably, you know, not in his character to do something like that. Um, so, uh, but... Anyway, that that sort of stuff happens in footy, but it's, it's funny how some people react to different situations. And I think if he had his time back in, he'd probably uh, take that one back. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He did, yeah, yeah. He did he did bring it up and apologise for it. He felt bad for it, but um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> funny story. Hey, um, outside of footy though, you did your media, you did your acting, you did Neighbours, Dancing with the Stars mm. as well. Out of all those, yeah. what was what was your highlight of the media work? Oh, I did, did Dancing with the Stars is definitely a highlight, but that one's just. And it was at the end of the show, you know, we're getting two million viewers. I think it was series two or three, I think, from memory. Um, yeah, the height of the show, and that was when everyone was just watching it, and it was just so nerve-wracking, um, but just great fun, you know, from a, you know, reward point of view, just, you know, being on camera, learning how to speak to the camera, meeting some other, you know, other celebrities in TV and, you know, uh, singers and this, that and the other and mm. just kind of like a rock star for 10 weeks, you, you know, just being involved and getting limousines to, you know, to training and to, um, to from promotions or appearances. It, yeah, it really has just gone from a, uh, a footy player to, to a rock star overnight and uh, um, it was great fun. It was a great experience and um, learned a lot from it and, um, yeah, I just, uh, I'd say that would be number one. Neighbours wasn't too great. I'm probably the worst actor of all time. Um, and I looked at that, I've looked at that a couple of times and a couple of mates have sent it through with laughing emojis and all that sort of stuff. Uh, <laughs> that was probably the corniest thing that I've ever done. Um, uh, but it's funny to look back on now. But look, I, I wish that, you know, I had a probably lasted another couple of two or three years in the AFL system because I, I thought, you know, once I'd retired shortly after all of that, I started to get better at talking and doing mm. emceeing and, and um, you know, I reckon I would have been a lot better in the media um, if I had the opportunity, you know, in my early 30s. But obviously, I wasn't great in my mid-20s. I still go back and watch the tapes from the Dancing the Stars. Now, look at, you know, I struggle to put two words together on camera. You just get, you know, I used to get really shy in front of the camera, whereas, whereas now, you know, you've had that experience. So, um but, um, but, yeah, look, I did learn a lot, and that was, yeah, Dance of Stars was, was uh, fantastic. So you, you said um, you wanted to get back in the AFL system um, previously in a coaching capacity. Would you would you rather pursue that, or did you want to do some media? What What's next for you? Yeah, look, probably not media. Look, I've probably um, been into journalism or something to get back into that now. I think time's passed pretty much. I have been coaching local for the last 10 years. Um, look, I, I've thought about AFL. I've thought about AFL, you know, leagues uh, and coaching that capacity. And it's something I've still got in the back of my mind, something that I wouldn't mind going that direction at the right time. Life's good at the moment. I've got a good balance um, with coaching, with family, with doing some little, you know, online advertising stuff that I do on the side as well and so forth. Um, you know, I'm happy for it not to go in that direction at the moment, but it'd be something that I'd 
potentially look into in, in future if, if the opportunity comes. Um, and yeah, look, I'm doing all the courses and, and all the rest of it, make sure that I'm in the right place if an opportunity comes my way. Uh, but look, now that I've been out of the system for a period of time, I'd have to probably get it back into VFL or um, or Nabbling before AFL again, even though I've played AFL, because the game just changes so much, coaching philosophies and uh, game plan blueprints and all the rest of it. It, it, it does change very quickly. So, um, uh, But yeah, look, I would never say never. Something that I was probably pretty keen on a couple of years ago when COVID hit, um, and a few things happened, and mm-hmm. you know your lifestyle changes a bit. You start to think that you know um, I'm in a pretty good place now where I am, and you know, I'd be happy to do what I'm doing for the next few years. But yeah, like I said, yeah, um, it's in the back of my mind. Let's see what happens. Mm. Mm. That's right. We'll mm. be waiting with anticipation, mate. I hope you get into mm. it because a lot of your philosophies I love and I love you speaking about um, coaching and uh, and the different things that have helped you motivate yourself and others around you. So I hope you do get into it. Um, Broach, just quickly, mate, I've got a lot of Collingwood yeah. mates, um, uh, including Frankie, who you did that Disney Channel ad with yeah. all those days yeah. uh, ago. Uh, I wanted to hear, uh, they want to hear from someone not directly connected with the club, but someone who understands the ins and outs of Collingwood and someone who's passionate mm-hmm. about it. Can you just explain? your thoughts on the current board situation. We'll be back after a quick break. delve into the board situation, administration side of things. And, and to be honest with you, I, look, I, I, haven't, I haven't been really talking to a lot of my ex, uh, the ex-players and mates over the last sort of 12 months or even six months as well. So it's kind of been, you know, in my own little bubble um, and watching a few of the games and that's about it at this point in time. So it'd be really hard for me to sort of, you know, talk about that. I mean, the whole Eddie, Eddie thing, you know, I think, you know, the media just pressured him so much that, you know, I think Eddie just goes, you know what, I'll take one for the team and, and uh, I'm, I'm out of here, Yeah, you know, and I think that it was just too much pressure, um, unfortunately. So, um, you know, he was going to f- retire at the end of the year anyway. He probably thought I'd take one for the team and I'll just retire a little bit earlier and you know, do the right thing and make sure I take the pressure off the joint. Um, that's pretty much how I see that unfold. I think, you know, Eddie's a good, good person and, and a good football person and a great family guy, a great businessman. You know, he's gone on record saying he's not perfect, but, you know, he's made mistakes, but he's probably done a hell of a lot more good than bad, let's be honest. Um, and, um, you know, I just I feel feel for him. Um, so, but, yeah, all the other stuff in terms of the current board situation, I'm not completely over it, to be honest. Yep. Um yeah, so, uh, but look, hopefully we can turn it around. Obviously, it's been a tricky year for the Pies, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah it has been. been um, yeah, we didn't see it coming. We thought it might be tricky without Trelaw and those other couple of boys, but we still would assume we'd make the eight at least, and it uh, hasn't quite happened for us. Yeah, do you, do you see a, an issue with the game plan at all or the talent? 
Uh, not the game plan. Look, everyone sort of. I mean, when you're losing, they hone in on the game plan. They, they, they do like the short kicking game, the, the possession game, back to the center. And um, you know, when they do attack the game, you know they they can bring the likes of the Joey's and and uh, Jamie Elliott and so forth into the game a bit more. Um, I, I would like to see them take on the game a little bit more than they have, but I'm pretty happy with the game plan that they've got. I just think they're probably three or four players that I've been where they need to be at the end of the day. Um, you know, and they've, they've lost three or four pretty handy players. Yeah. Um, you know, in the whole scheme of things, it, I think what they've done, it looks bad now in terms of, you know, having three of the better players leave the club and then obviously only winning, you know, you know, they won this year only um, two games so far. Um, it looks bad, but I think you know when we look back in three years, we'll go, "Geez, I'm glad we took those five kids in that draft in that year, which is supposed to be one of the best drafts we've seen in the last twenty years." You got you know the locks of you know McCreary and Poulter and and these guys coming through. Um, they're, um, they're they're very good players and they're playing well already in their first year. Um, I think those they'll be your core group players in five or six years time. They'll be your core gun players like you, you know your Pendlebury's and your Dale Thomas types that come through all at once. Your Dane Swans and Dydax and those guys that come through at once. They'll be your main our main players that we build a team around. So um, we don't have a crystal ball right now, but look, um, let's give it a few years. Yeah. I, I think when we're going to win a flag with Trelaw and Stevenson, oh, I'm not sure if we were uh, anyway. Um, so it, it's going to be tough. Maybe we did have to have another year or two to reset and go again. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, let's let's see what happens in, in another couple of years. That's it. So I guess by that response that you're happy with Bucks coaches in 2021 and beyond? I, I, I would say so. Yeah. If he was any better than Bucks, he would be, you know, the most professional and hard-working coach and intellectual coach you're going to find in the, in the game. Um, you know, you're only as good as you play at the end of the day and he's been playing four or five kids every most weeks, mm-hmm. you know, that, and not just four or five kids. We're talking about guys that have played between one and ten games uh, a lot of the time. Um, don't forget Wainer and Noble in their second years of, of uh, footy as well. So you, you've still got, yeah, we've got some top enders like the side bottoms in, in Pendlebury's and, and Grundy's that have been around a long time, but you can't win a flag. You can't make top four with four or five kids that have played less than 10 games of footy. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, I don't care how good you are. Uh, baby bombers, maybe. <laughs> but they, even those guys were first, second, third year play. A lot of them are second and third year players, rather than you know first half a dozen game players. So, so uh, I think we'll be all right. You know, we've made mistakes. Oh, there's no question. You know, there's been some mistakes made there in terms of recruits and payments and things like that and the other. But you just got to, you know, what's happened happened. We, we had a crack at the flag. We didn't quite get there. Let's move on and. Hopefully, uh, those those kids we picked up in this draft and the year before and, and the year after are going to hold us in bed for the years to come. That's it. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure Frankie and the Collingwood fans will be happy to hear that. So that was brilliant, Broads. Good yeah. stuff, mate. Hey, uh, to end off the fun stuff, all right? So whatever comes to your head yeah. first, you, you, you answer 10 quick questions, all right? Sure. Okay. All right, favourite food? Oh, jeez. 
Uh, he put me on the spot here. With that one. There's so many. So, so many. Hey, best takeaway, KFC, 100%. KFC. Uh, yeah, best takeaway is KFC. Um, I do like a Chinese honey chicken too, uh, or a um, honey prawn. <laughs> from, from good Chinese. From good Chinese. I love it. Favourite teammate of all time? Uh, Paul Medhurst. Nice. Uh, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Bali. Bali. Uh, you've got a Sunday afternoon free to do whatever you want. What do you do? No, I just hang with the family. Mm, nice family man. Good. If you maybe uh, go for a nice little bike ride around the river and a coffee at the boathouse. Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, if you could coach any AFL team at the moment, who would it be? Melbourne Football oh. Club. Oh, are they your little tip for the flag? Could be. Yeah, I think they're looking pretty good. Mm. Uh, who's your idol? Sporting Idol, growing up, I used to be obsessed with Carlton growing up, believe it or not. So, like Stephen Silvani and Stephen Cunningham, like absolute favourites. Nice. Uh, mm. Your favourite quote? Favourite quote? Um, ooh, is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. <laughs> I like that one. I'm sure you use that at the footy club a lot. I like that. Oh, it's, it's very cliche, that one, but it's so true. Yeah, you know, I've used it a few times. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what makes you angry? What makes me angry? Uh, politicians. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. All right, the last Say one. Say no more than that. That's it, that's it. We had a little chat before the mm. show, about, and mm. uh, I agree with you. Hey, uh, the last one, your favourite song of all time. Oh, favourite song of all time. Jeez, yeah, that could be uh, one of one of the few. Um, oh, I like a song called Black by uh, Pearl Jam. Probably one of my, my favourites, I'd have to say. Under the Bridge, Red Hot Chili Peppers. One of my all-time favourites as well. Good one. <laughs> Love it. Hey, Brody, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, mate. I really appreciate your time and uh, giving us an insight into the career uh, that you had at the Pies and Frio. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. Good man. All the best. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate oh. it. Got it quickly to Holland. Brody Holland around the corner. That's not bad. That's a start for a great Here's another goal to Holland. Rocker, Holland, the danger man. He's got five. Goal number eight from 40 metres. Oh, he has it. And the Magpies winning by the barest possible margin. A one-point victory to the Pies.